Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. What's up, friends and family? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're checking us out online, we're glad that you're here. Thanks for crashing the party. Uh, listen, if you're family and friends, you call Revo home. It's so good to have you back. But, but I know there are some people here that uh, took our Gimme Five challenge last week at Easter. So here was a challenge, like just, just give us five times. Easter was one of them. So you already got your down payment there. Uh, this is week two, right? Just let's just see what happens if you were to show up five times in a row, like just, just to meet some people, just to see what God may want to do in your life. And like, let's just see what happens. And so some of you have taken that. This is, this is week two. Uh, man, I'm so proud of you. That's a big step for sure. So uh, thanks for coming back and, uh, and, and for taking the challenge and uh, being, being with us here today, spending some time with us. Uh, my dad, some of you met my dad. Uh, I call, the, the, my daughters call him uh, Pops. Uh, I call him Big Chief. Um, and so Big Chief recently retired. And uh, he told me his dream for retirement. He told me this a few years ago. He said, Nathan, when I retire, here's what I want to do. I want to get a job at Home Depot. That's my dad's dream. I don't understand it. He's been a pastor and like is the vice president of a, a university in South Carolina. But now he wants to work at Home Depot. Here's like, he is a handy man not like me. Uh, He did not pass that on to me, did not share that with me. Uh, But Big Chief can fix anything, loves to fix things. And so here's what he wants to do. He wants to be the guy in Home Depot that has the the orange vest on, that that has written on the front and the back, like, ask me a question. Like, I'll, I'll help you. And to me, I've told him this, like, I think that has to be one of the most terrifying jobs in all of the world. Because when I go into Home Depot, every time I go in there, you can ask anybody. They don't have to work in any particular department. But if you ask them a question, they're expected to know the answer. I have walked in there and and I was trying to feel like my sink, my kitchen sink, the faucet was leaking. And so what I did was I just unhooked the faucet, the sink, and I brought the, the, the faucet into Home Depot with me in a box And the first person I saw with an orange apron on, I said, my sink is leaking, can you help me? And this guy, I don't even know if he was in the plumbing department, this guy says, he he picks up the the pieces of the sink. I don't know if they're all there, like maybe I left some, I don't know. And he's like, oh yeah, I can tell you, is it leaking around here like when you turn the faucet on, when the knob on, and is it leaking? I was like, yeah, how did you know that? He's like, yeah, you got this little uh, rubber washer here. It's worn out a little bit, so you need to replace this rubber washer. Except he didn't call it a rubber washer. He called it the official name of whatever that part is. And so I was like, no way, man, you did it. And not only did he do that, he says, and actually, these rubber washers are on like aisle 11, bin number seven. They're in a little plastic bag with a red label on the top of it. You'll see it's about like two-thirds of the way down the aisle on the left. No way, man. Like, not if you work at Home Depot, not only are you expected to know how to fix 
everything, not just in your department, but everything, you need to be able to look a customer in the face. And when they ask you where something is, you got to know the aisle, you got to know the bin, you got to know the packaging, you got to know what it's called. You got to know what the layman calls it. Like you got to be able to know that it's not just the, the rubber washer, but the little black squishy thing is what I called it. I was like, this little black squishy thing that's supposed to be, he's like, yeah, yeah, rubber washer. It's like, you got to know that all. That would be the, the most intimidating job that I can ever think of. Like, for anyone to be able to walk into the room and to be able to ask you any question and you are expected to know the answer to it. What if you got the opportunity to talk to God and ask him any question? Like no question is off limits. If you walked into heaven and there's God in his orange apron that says, ask me a question, like anything, just ask it. What would you ask him? One question that, that you could ask God, if he said, I'll give you the answer to it, everything, like anything that you've ever wondered about or thought about, what would that question be? What would yours be? Well, researchers have actually asked this question and polled thousands of adults in America, and they, they do it every year. Like if there was one thing that you could ask God or one question that you don't know about that you really want an answer to, what would it be? And the overwhelming response, the majority of people that respond to that question all have the same idea. It's the same question. It's the same thought. It, it revolves around this idea. Why do bad things happen to good people? If the majority of people in America could ask God one question, that's the question that they would ask. Now, some people phrase it differently. Some people say, why do bad things happen to good people? Some people say, why is there evil in the world? Why is there, there bad things in the world? Another form of the question would be, how does a good God allow bad things to happen? Like, why is that? Like God could just erase it, God could snap and it could be gone. Like, why is there suffering in the world? If God is so good, why is there pain in the world? Why is there suffering in the world? Couldn't God just take all of that out? Like, couldn't he just erase all of those things? Like, I, I don't understand. That's the big question that comes to people's minds when they think if I could ask God anything, that is what it would be. So over the next few weeks, we're gonna do this series as we ask and answer some of the most frequently asked questions about God, the Bible, Christianity, Jesus, life in general. And, and that's the question we're gonna start with today. The number one asked questions by Christians and non-Christians in the world today is something around the lines of why does a good God allow bad things to happen? Why does suffering happen in the world? Why do people have to face injustice in the world? Why is there pain in the world? Why is there a virus in the world? Like, couldn't God just erase that? Couldn't he just, just bleep that out? Couldn't he just make sure that no other bad things happen in the world? And maybe you wrestle with that because if you were in his position, right? Like if somebody asked me, like, if you were God, wouldn't you take all of the suffering out of the world? And the answer would be like, yeah, I mean, right? Of course we would. None of us would choose pain. None of us would choose that, that there would be bad things that happened to anybody. Like, wouldn't you just want everything to be perfect, a, a great world where everybody was happy and everybody got along and there was no pain and there was no suffering and no hardships and no illness and no death? Like, which one of us wouldn't choose that? But for some reason, that's not the reality that we live in. And so we're going to look at a story today from John chapter 11 that 2,000 years ago, interestingly enough, the people that lived when Jesus was walking the earth were asking the exact same questions that you and I have today. 
They were wrestling with whether or not right and wrong and evil and, and good and suffering and pain and how does that all fit together when you have a good God that is over all of it. So if you have your Bible, I want to do John chapter 11. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, the words will be up on the screen. Or you can pull up the app. All the message notes uh, will be there. This is a, kind of a, a well-known story in the Bible. It's the story of a man named Lazarus. It's one of Jesus' closest friends, a family that he was very connected to. So let's, let's get into this story. Uh, let me set the table for you. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. This Mary, let me, let me tell you who Mary is, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Mary and Martha. They said, Lord, the one that you love is sick. Now, now what John's doing here is he's setting the table. He's like, let me tell you the background of this story so you know what's going on. Mary and Martha and Lazarus were, were all family members. They were brothers and sisters. And, and these were some of Jesus' closest friends, okay? Like this family loved Jesus. They believed in Jesus' ministry. They supported Jesus' ministry financially. Like these are not just random people that Jesus has never met. Other than the disciples, this was the family that Jesus was the closest to here on, on earth. This is Mary, the one that, that ended up following Jesus. Remember the story earlier in the book of John where Mary took, takes the perfume and pours it on Jesus's feet, really, really expensive uh, gift and offers that to Jesus as a really kind gesture and begins to follow Jesus at that moment. This is, this is Mary and Martha. Here's what John is trying to tell us, right? Just bare bones. Here's the details. These are good people, okay? These are not criminals. These are not complete strangers, these are not people that like a, something bad would happen to them and everybody's like, yeah, well, it doesn't surprise me that something bad happened to them. I mean, it's Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It's the exact opposite. These are people that, that we would look at and, and scratch our heads and be like, well, wait a minute now. Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they love Jesus. These are some of the most generous people I've ever met. These people are always doing the right thing. These are the types of people that would give you the shirt off of their back. And I don't understand why are they dealing with an illness? They're essentially at the point where the doctors have told Lazarus, I, I don't know what's wrong with you. We can't fix it anymore. Like it's, we either got to like pull the plugs or, or do something like we've done all we can do. And, and Mary and Martha, I got to tell you, your brother is going to die if something doesn't happen. And so they end up reaching out to Jesus and say, Lord, your friend, Lazarus, the one that you love, this close family of yours that has supported you, that has always been close to you, Jesus, we need you. We, we, we need you in this moment. Ever been there before? Ever had something happen in your life and your back was up against the wall and no one else had an answer and there was no one else to turn to and you had a moment like Martha did that says, Jesus, we need you. God, I need you to do something. If you don't move, then Lazarus isn't going to make it. This thing in my life isn't going to change. Verse 4, when he, Jesus, heard this, he, Lord, the one that you love, the one that you are close to is, is very sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, right? So, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he loved him very much, right? And when he heard that Lazarus, his boy Lazarus, the family that we were so close to, when he heard he was sick, he dropped everything that he was doing and ran straight to them to help them. 
That's actually not what it says. It says, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's, uh, let's actually go back to, to Judea. You want, you want to go see Lazarus now? Those two sentences shouldn't go together. They don't make sense, right? The guy, the family that Jesus really loved, close friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus and helped them and ministry partners. When he found out they were sick, their back was against the wall. Lazarus was going to die if Jesus didn't show up and do something. You know what Jesus did? Nothing. (laughs) He stayed where he was for the next two days. Those two sentences don't go together. Like if you really love someone and you care about them and they needed you, wouldn't you come? Can you relate to this? You ever been there with God? Like, come on, God, you're supposed to be loving and kind and I'm supposed to be one of your children and I'm, man, I'm following you and I'm obeying you and I'm going to church and I'm being generous and I'm helping other people and in my time of need, are you not going to answer me? Are you not going to respond to this, man? Some, some bad things, some difficult things are happening to some good people. God, where are you? Why aren't you going to do anything? And finally, two days later, Scripture says Jesus is like, oh, hey, you remember, you remember that news we heard two days ago that Lazarus was getting ready to die? We should probably go back. We should probably start making our way then. So Jesus turns and starts to walk to where he is. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus finally shows up into the hometown. Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. This is where it kind of gets awkward because Jesus is not just a little bit late. Jesus is really late. Jesus missed when Lazarus was in the hospital. Jesus missed when all the family was together around his deathbed, when he was breathing his last words. Jesus missed the funeral. Jesus even missed the graveside. This guy's been in the bed for four, in, in the tomb for four days. Like it, you've missed everything. And then scripture says that Jesus was only about two miles away this whole time. So it's not like Jesus could rush into the door and be like, oh man, it was really hard to get a flight right now, right? I got delayed and in the airport, I couldn't get through security and TSA was being a jerk because I had some water and I turned it into wine because you can't bring water in and I was getting in trouble and they were like, oh, what what are you doing? So sorry, it was my fault. No, he was two miles away. He could have walked there in a half a day. He could have been there. And then on top of that, scripture says that everybody else in the city had already come to the family. And they were ministering and loving, and it was like bringing meals and bringameal.com and all that kind of stuff. Like they were doing all that kind of stuff already. And then Jesus decides to walk in the door. Then Jesus decides to show up, missed everything, and conveniently just strolls in in their darkest time and in their darkest hour. Verse, Verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Check this out. But Mary stayed at home. So Martha, her brother, had died, finds out that Jesus is walking into town. And this verse outlines the two choices that you and I have. Same two choices that Mary and Martha had, the same choice that you and I face today. When we face hardships in life, when we face difficulty, when we realize that pain and suffering is a part of our reality and a part of our world, you and I have two options. In that moment, we can either turn and run towards God or we can run away from God. Martha said as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she got up and went out to meet him. She said, Jesus, I've got some questions. 
I've got some things on my mind. I've got some things I'm struggling with. There are some things that I don't understand. Jesus, I am hurt. I am confused. I am grieving. I am in pain. There's been suffering. I don't understand why any of this has happened. I called out to you and you didn't show up. Jesus, I've got some things that I want to talk to you about. And that's the invitation that you and I have. When things go on in the world, when there's pain and suffering and unanswered questions and we don't know what is going on, we can do like Martha did and choose to lean into Jesus, to go to Jesus, to bring our hurt, bring our hearts and pour it out to him. Or, or we can do what Mary did. It says Mary heard that Jesus was coming and decided to stay at home. Jesus is coming. So, I don't have anything to say to him. Oh, he should have come four days ago. Oh, he should have come six days ago when we called him. The first time we asked him to come. Oh yeah, if Jesus wanted to talk to me, he should have been here a week ago. But now that our brother is dead, I don't really have anything to say. I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to see him right now. He didn't do what I asked him to do. He didn't show up when I wanted him to show up. My life did not pan out the way that I wanted it to, and it's all his fault. I don't want to talk to Jesus right now. One lady pushes into Jesus, leans into God in a time of trouble. The other one says, forget it, God. If you're not going to do what I want you to do, when I want you to do it, then I'm done. And didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. I don't know, man. Obviously, she's mad. Maybe she feels betrayed. Maybe she's just confused. Maybe she's just looking around and saying, God, I don't understand why this happened. And every single person in this room can relate to that. We've all been there. When we prayed and asked God for something and we got nothing. Where we prayed and asked God for something and the exact opposite happened. That's what we're going to realize here. Dur during dark times, we have a, a choice. When we have those dark nights of the soul, we can either lean into God or we can push God away and say, I'm done with it. Well, Martha shows us she leans into God. Well, here's what she said. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. AKA, this is your fault. <laughs> this is your fault, Jesus. Because you didn't show up, my brother is dead. You could have stopped this. You could have made a different way. You could have provided. You could have healed him. Ever been there before? You ever looked at God and said, God, if you could have fixed my marriage. You could have fixed my finances. You could have gotten me a job. You could have prevented them from dying. You could have healed this man. You could have stepped in and I wouldn't be going through this. Man, that's us. Every person in here knows what that feels like. But check out the second part. It's, it's so great, Martha's response. Verse 22, but, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask for. On one hand, Martha is broken and hurting and confused. And why did this happen? And why didn't you do something? And I don't understand why suffering is a part of my life. And I don't, I'm trying to be a good person and this bad stuff is happening. And, and Jesus, you could have done something. And the other hand, he says, but even though you didn't, I'm still going to believe. Even though you didn't give me what I asked for. And Jesus, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm struggling with that right now, but I'm still going to trust you. It doesn't seem like this is right, but God, I know you are right. I, this doesn't seem fair. I would not have done it this way, but God, I am going to trust that you have a plan. And I'm going to choose to put my faith in you. 
Even though it doesn't make sense, I'm going to do this. God, you could have changed this. You could have made a way. You could have made a difference. You could have answered my prayer. And you didn't. But I'm going to choose to trust you anyway. I'm going to put my faith in you anyway. I'm going to look to you anyway. I'm going to pour my heart out to you anyway, because even though you didn't change my past, I believe that you can change my future. I believe that you can take me from where I am right now to a better place, so I'm going to trust you with it. What an incredible response from Martha, right? We got to learn how to do both of those. We have to learn how to be real with God, with our thoughts and our prayers and our, our, our struggles and our ideas and our questions. God is not intimidated by your questions. Like bring your questions to God, but we have to turn the corner and say, and God, even though I don't understand it, even though I don't like it, even though you didn't ask me, but that is not how I would have done it. I am going to choose to trust you and I'm going to put my faith in you, and I'm going to continue to follow you because I know that you can change. God, this is how I feel about what happened in the past, but I will choose to still put my faith in you moving forward in the future. That was the move that that Martha wanted to do, and so here's how Jesus responded. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. I've heard your sermons, Jesus. They're all the same. Follow you, make a decision for you. One day you will live again, eternity, blah, blah, blah. I get it, Jesus. Like, I know you don't have to preach that sermon to me. And Jesus said, I'm gonna preach it anyway. Here it is. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he looks at Martha and said, do you believe this? And Martha answered, yes, Lord. She replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who has come into the world. I love what Jesus does here because he he changes your perspective during your darkest times. The only thing that Martha could think about is life on earth. Her brother's life had just ended. His time on earth had expired four days ago when he was buried. And Jesus reminded her, did you know that one day there will be a place where there will be no pain, where there will be no suffering, where there will be no unanswered questions, where, there, where people won't have to walk around saying, why do bad things happen to good people? Because no bad things will happen. And Jesus said, but that time is not here on earth. It is in heaven for eternity. And Mary, can I remind you that the only way that you can get there is to believe in me. He says, your brother Lazarus believed in me. He believed that I was who he says he was. And so I'm telling you, one day he will rise again. He will spend eternity with God in paradise. And what God did, what Jesus did in that moment was begin to lift Mary's eyes and to change her perspective. Sometimes that's what God will do in our darkest times. When we are completely overwhelmed with what's going on right in front of us, God will say, let me shift your perspective and remind you of some things that matter. Remind you that though the pain on this earth is temporary and there will be questions that are unanswered and there will be struggles and pain and and, and bad things and you'll wonder what's the deal with suffering and why did this happen? Let me just remind you that one day there will be a place where there will be no more tears, where there will be no more pain and heartache, where there will be no more sickness and death and that place is heaven and there is one way to get there and that is through Jesus Christ.
In that moment, Jesus brings comfort to Martha, providing that perspective. We see a flip. We see a change in Martha. And look look what happens after she did this. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. (laughs) It's interesting there um, because (laughs) Martha, I don't know if she lied. I don't know if that's okay. It's written in the Bible. Uh, I don't know if she lied, but Jesus never said, will you go home and get your sister Mary? Martha, big sister, loves her little sister. Here's what happened. Martha was comforted by Jesus and she knew exactly what needed to happen. She says, my sister is hurting as well and she needs to hear what you just said. She needs to experience the comfort that only Jesus can bring. She needs an eternal perspective and so without even being prompted, without even being asked, she's like, Jesus, stay right here. She goes home, throws open the door. Mary, hey, Jesus is here and he said he wanted to see you. And I don't know if she had her fingers crossed or, or be like, well, Jesus is going to forgive me anyway later. So Jesus wants to see you. And then Mary is like, oh, man, we're going to the principal's office. She jumps up and runs out to Jesus. He's mad because I didn't come out here. Oh, man, what is the son of God wants to see me? This is terrible. Or is it good? I don't know. So she runs out there. Mary goes out there and, and stands in, in, in front of Jesus and meets him. And uh, after she had said that, and this, the, the teacher wants to see you, it says Mary, Mary begins to, to run. And she realizes Mary needs to talk to Jesus. That's exactly what she needs in this, in this moment. In verse 32, it says, When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know what that tells me? Mary and Martha had been talking because they had the exact same response, word for word. So for the last four days, you know what these two sisters have been doing, sitting around the table? You know whose fault this is? It's Jesus. If Jesus was here, this wouldn't have happened. And they must have said that so many times that they said, you know what? When I see Jesus, you know what I'm going to tell him? I'm going to tell him, Jesus, if you would have been here, then this would not have happened. And so they obviously agreed on that because that's the same thing Martha said, same thing that Mary said when she finally reached to him. Like they, it's obvious they had been wrestling with this question for days. You ever been there? You ever wrestled for seasons Like maybe it's days, maybe it's weeks, maybe it's years where you are just talking with yourself. Boy, when I see God, if he were to ever ask me, he's going to have some questions to answer. There needs to be some explanation as to why this is going on. He said, boy, he is, I got something for him. I got a mouthful to share. If you would have been here, this would not have happened. Ever prayed that to God? God, you could have helped me. You could have saved him. You could have made a way. You could have moved. You could have intervened. You could have said yes. You could have come through when I really needed you, God, but you, you didn't. So there's the company line. Jesus has heard it before, verse verse 32, and here's how he responds. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come alongside her were weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. He asked this question, where have you laid him? Where is Lazarus now? So come and see, Lord, they replied. In verse 35, Jesus wept. And some of you need to get better at memorizing scripture. Start there, right there. Just John eleven thirty-five. 35, Jesus wept. There you go, head start on it. You already got one verse down. That verse shows us the emotion of Jesus. Shows that Jesus deeply cared 
Like this wasn't like Jesus walking in the room and be like, all right, well, I'll fix it. Another dead guy over here, I can handle it. No, he was moved. He was overwhelmed by it. Jesus cared. Jesus was compassionate. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? Like Jesus, this must've been like ugly cry. You ever seen somebody ugly cry before? Like that must, must've been what Jesus was doing because the other people were like, geez, look at that. That dude's an ugly crier. He must've loved that family. He must've been close, man. Like his nose is running and he's got an ugly expression and it's red faced and tears and snot and everything. It's an oh, ugly cry. And he must have loved this person. But some of them said this, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? You ever been there? You ever asked God that? Hey God, I know who you are. I know you could have done something and you didn't. God, couldn't you have changed my situation? Couldn't you have done something? Couldn't you have answered my question? God, I know you could have answered my prayer. You didn't. Like, what's going on? How would a good God allow suffering to happen? How does a good God allow evil to exist? Why does a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? What's the deal, God? Same questions that we ask today are the same questions that these people were asking. It was so obvious the questions, the struggle that they were having. And even, the, even then, God identified with their suffering. But you want to know the most frustrating part of this passage? You ready? I'm getting ready to frustrate you. Some of you are going to want your money back after I say this. You're going to be like, man, this was a bait and switch. Jesus never answered the question. Jesus never told them why. Jesus didn't walk up to him and say, well, guys, let me tell you why bad things happen to good people. Let me tell you why God would allow something like this to happen. Let me explain to you. Let me just break it down for you in words that you can explain why this has happened to your family. Jesus never asks and answers that question. And did you know that there'll be times where you will ask God why and he won't give you an answer? I don't care how much you fast. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much faith you have. I don't care how much you believe. There will be times where you will struggle from now until you die with the question, why? And you will call out and you will pray and you will beg God for an answer. And he will not tell you why. There are just some things that you and I will never know. We'll never get the answer. And Jesus does not give them the answer. But I want to be clear on something. Just because God did not tell them why doesn't mean that God was silent. Just because God doesn't give you the answers you want in the time frame that you want doesn't mean that God isn't working. Doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan. So I want to give you these three things as we close. I want to show you the three things that Jesus does in this moment. He does not answer the question why, but he does give them three things in a time where it is a real struggle for them, where pain and suffering are personal with people that love and follow Jesus. Even when God doesn't tell you why, the first thing he does is this, he'll he'll tell you who to trust. Hey, during your darkest times, I can tell you who to trust. And I love that Jesus walked up and Martha said, Jesus, if you would have been here, then everything would have been different. And he looked at Martha in that moment and said, you trust me, don't you? You can trust me. I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, then one day, even though you die, you will live. Martha, do you believe this? 
And there are times in the midst of our suffering and pain and questions where God will not answer you why. He will simply look at you and say, will you trust me? Who will you put your trust in in your darkest days? It's easy to trust God when everything's going great, right? (laughs) When everything's perfect. But God says, what happens when you got some questions? What happens when life doesn't go your way? Will you still trust me? And Jesus makes it very clear, Martha, even and the death of your brother, look at me, you can still trust me. You can still believe that I am who I say am. Martha, do you believe this? And that's the same invitation that you and I have to wrestle with today too. Even though you've prayed and asked God, why has this happened to me in or my family around my life? When God chooses not to answer why, he can still be trusted. Second thing, when God doesn't tell you why is this, he'll tell you where to put your hope. Jesus does this, he shifts, he says, Martha, listen, I know that you're sad that your brother died, um, but I don't want you to put your hope in our life here on earth. Because heads up, we're gonna, we're gonna tell this story again at the end of this series. We're gonna go circle back around to it, but I'm gonna give you a spoiler alert. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, okay? Week four, pretend like I didn't tell you that. It'll be a big surprise. But Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. But do you know what happened a few years later? Lazarus died again. Like Lazarus is still not walking around here and be like, hey, I'm the guy that Jesus brought back from the dead. No, Jesus brought him back and he died again. Maybe the only guy in human history that died twice. And what Jesus says is, Martha, I can raise him. I can heal him. I can, I can fix your earthly situation. But can I remind you that one day that will fail too? One day you will die. One day everybody will die. And then you'll be faced with the question, what are you gonna do about your eternity? And you know what eternity is? It's a long time, very long time. And so instead of just focusing on what happened with your brother's life here on earth, I want you to wrestle with some questions about your eternity. And Jesus says, now you know for your eternity who you can put your hope in, right? You know that no matter what happens here on earth, you can place your hope in someone that has your eternity in their hands, right? You know that. No matter how hurt you are, no matter how many prayers you think God isn't answering or how many times you ask why and there's no response, you know that you can still put your hope in God. And so he lifted her chin up and said, I want you to put your eyes on the right planes, put it in the right perspective. Make sure you're thinking about the right things and putting your hope not in this life here on earth, but in the fact that Jesus's death provided a way for you to experience eternal life. That's something you can be hopeful for. Last thing is this, God, God shares with Martha, doesn't answer why, but he says, but I wanna teach you how you can respond. When you and I have difficulty in life and we face pain and suffering and there are unanswered questions, Jesus might not tell us the reason why it happened, but he is very clear on how we should respond. Think about what happened with Martha. As soon as Martha heard the explanation and got the comfort from Jesus, what did she do? She went home and told her sister. She said, there's someone else in my life that needs this. There's someone else that I know that is hurting deeply. There's someone else that I know that has been through exactly what I've been through. And they need to know who Jesus is. And they need to know what Jesus has done for them. They need to be able to experience the comfort that I have. So she ran home and told her sister, brought brought her to Jesus. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians. He says, God comforts us all 
in our times of troubles. Why? So that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. So maybe instead of answering the question why, God looks down in your situation and just like Jesus wept, God identifies with your pain, with your suffering, brings you peace and comfort even though you don't have the answers that you wish you did. And when you experience what God can do in your heart in the midst of pain and trouble, then God says, now there are other people in this world that are hurting and I want you to share with them what I can do. I want you to share with them the comfort that you found in me. I want you to share with them that even though you didn't get the answer that you thought you needed, you could still have the peace that only God could give. We are in a broken world that is searching for what God can do, searching for the things that only God can give. And so many people in this room have experienced the peace and the comfort that only God can provide. And now God says, how should you respond? Martha, go tell Mary. Hey, hey, friends, go tell coworkers, go tell family members, go tell neighbors, go tell complete strangers that you struggle with the same things they do, but yet you have found the comfort and the peace that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Boy, what a different world it would be if the Marthas went out and got the Marys that were hurting and struggling and said, you know what you need to do? You need to meet Jesus. He's looking for you. He has exactly what you need. If your life has been changed by Jesus, if you've experienced something that the rest of the world is looking for, I wanna challenge you today. Go find someone that needs it and offer it to them because they're not really looking for the why. They're looking for the peace and the comfort that they think the why will give them and that will only come through Jesus. Let me pray for you. God, even when Martha asked you a question, you knew what she needed. (laughs) That she really wasn't asking for the answer to the question. She really didn't need to know why. She was searching for peace. She was searching for comfort. She was searching for, for some kind of hope in the future. She wanted to know that God knew her and that God heard her and that God could comfort her, that that God cared about her. And that's exactly what you did when you stepped into her life. And you stepped into that family's darkest days and you gave them not what they asked for, you gave them what they needed and it changed their life. God, give us the wisdom and discernment to know what to do with the truth that we have just heard. And thank you for meeting us right where we are and giving us right what we need. I pray that we can now take this message, this joy, this comfort, this peace that we've experienced and take it to a world that is searching for it desperately and bring people to your son, Jesus. Pray those things in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.